Well, Lord Jesus, we do I just thank you again for this morning and a chance to come together and worship you. Lord, I pray that you would just um, capture our attention this morning. Help us to hear your voice, regardless of what phase of life we're in. Lord, I do pray, especially for, for parents here, that you would speak hope and encouragement into their worlds uh, as, as we are trying to carry out a great task in this crazy world. And, and Lord, I pray that any verse that we look at, that you would, you would use it. Thank you that your word is living, it's active, it meets us. Uh, in this day, and it works on us. And please speak to us. Please affect our parenting for good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember a time back in elementary school. I was in fifth grade, and we were having a football game out on the field there, and it was uh, the good guys against the bad guys. And I was on the good guys' side, of course. Um, Sure, the other side thought they were the good guys as well. But eventually, some sort of a, a situation broke out on whether it was a first down or not, or who knows. But by the time we were done, kids were yelling at each other, saying, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones and all those things. And, um, but eventually, the principal came out, and the principal took a handful of us into the office, good guys and bad guys. And... Uh, she didn't ask a lot of questions, and she kind of realized we were probably all doing wrong, yelling at each other and, you know, how we were carrying ourselves there. Um, but she ended, up, uh, she ended up paddling us all. And uh, I don't know, how many of you have ever been paddled when you were in school? Anyone? I'm the only sinner here. Okay, there's another. Okay, Elsie and Ned both. All right, guys, I'm in good company. Good company. <laughs> But let me just tell you, um, oh, there's another one back there. All right, Ron got paddled too. All right, guys, there's a, there's a group for us afterwards here. We can talk about how that affected us. But um, I just remember um, when I got SWATs, this, this, it was a female principal, Mrs. Gilmer. I still remember her. She had this wooden paddle that looked like some sort of weapon. You know, it was just unbelievable. She strapped on some brace for her arm and something for her elbow. It was like an uh, Allen Iverson sort of deal, you know, and, and she got some wallop in that. And I remember never feeling pain like that before then and since then. And my midsection, my bottom went, it felt like it went from my midsection up to my shoulders and back down again, burning the entire way. And, uh, you know, I still to this day, I don't know if Mrs. Gilmer was a Christian or not. But one thing I'm absolutely convinced of is she put the fear of God in this young man. And um, never again was I, did I have to go to the principal's office, except for when they were going to give me an award or something like that. That's the only time I interacted with the principal after that. But, um, you know, and I was just thinking about when it comes to parenting, you've heard the, so have you heard the phrase before, it takes a, a village to raise a child? Anyone ever heard that before? It takes a village. And, you know, that's, that's a concept I... I have some differing thoughts on, um, but the idea was that it's, it's parents, and it's teachers, and it's your principal, and it's your pastor, and it's your youth group leader, and, and they all raise a child. And, you know, I don't know if I buy into all of, you know, the, the different priorities some would say that has, but uh, I, I get the idea. But one thing I know absolutely for sure is that the village that I was brought up in is radically different than the village you and I are raising children in today. Radically different. They could swat you back then. They could put the fear of God in you back then. There was values that we held as a culture that today people would say, you're ignorant if you believe that God literally created this world. 
There's values today that are, are, things are changing just in the last decade alone. Things are changing exponentially um, and not in good ways. And, uh, you know, I, I think about, um, you know, there's times some would say that you got to, Christians need to become more progressive. You know, progressive Christians are accepting of everything, and we've got to get with that. We've got to get on the program here. And, you know, there's a time in, in our culture where I go, there's different times where the society was not in line with God's word. And when that change happened, there was progress made. I think about slavery and the abolition of slavery. I think about giving equal value to people of different skin color and some of the changes there. And it, it took people that were not treated the way God would want them to, and it brought them in line with God's perspective. I think about about women's rights and you know some of the civil rights movements related to that and how women were looked down upon and they did not even get to vote and and as society we, we took where they were at and we brought them in line with what God says is true and there was progress but nowadays there's things going on in our culture where they're saying you know we need to do other things based on your your sexual preferences and your sexuality and those we need to bring things uh, progress there the only problem with that is that things that this culture is calling progress are no longer in line with God's word. God does not use, I think of Romans 1, um, God does not use the word progress in his description of the, the Roman culture back then. You know, some would say, we're raising kids in a, in a world that's, um, we're, we're no longer a Christian nation by default. Some would say we're raising kids in a post-family era. Some would say history repeats itself and we are raising children Back in Rome again. And some of the descriptions of the culture in Rome. Romans 1, if you read it, the words they use to describe some of the, some of the things that are going on in our culture right now, it was not progressive. The words that were used by the Apostle Paul was perversion. And it wasn't uh, honor or bringing honor to these relationships. The word in, in Romans 1 is dishonor, the way that people were relating to each other physically. And um, some would say, Christians, you need to just be enlightened and, and the word they used in the, to describe the Roman culture there was not an enlightened mind. It was a depraved mind. And I just want us to catch the gravity of the situation. Men and women, moms and dads, this is the world we're raising our children in. And we're going to look at three truths related to, to our faith as parents that I believe you've got to catch if you're going to survive with your kids here. If you're going to have a family that... Uh, passes on their faith successfully. And we're going to look at these three truths. You have a handout here. Um, but let's, uh, let's start just by looking at the first one here. We'll get some blanks to fill out. But the, the first one is this. Let me see. Start using some. First one, the first truth you've got to catch here is just this, simply this. God wants you to win with all your children. God wants you to win with all your children. Now, what does it mean to win? We're going to kind of look at a few verses that maybe help us catch the context of what does it mean to win with our kids. First verse we're going to look at here is from Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. In the context, it was, you know, describing that uh, when, you know, um, it was obviously the last chapter of the Old Testament and several hundred years uh, break before the New Testament began. And... Um, one of the things it ended with was talking about someone coming in the spirit of Elijah, which we know through the New Testament accounts was John the Baptist. But it said of John the Baptist that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. But 
first thing, when it comes to winning with our kids, we just want to catch, um, to win means to have the heart of your children. That's the first blank we have there. You want to win with your kids, you have to have the hearts of your children. This is it's a two-sided relationship as described in Malachi. Here it says the, the hearts of the fathers would turn to their children and the hearts of the children would turn to the fathers. And, you know, just a couple practical questions for you on this, parents. Um, do you have the hearts of your children? Do you have the hearts of your children? Because uh, you're going to need that to, to do the things that God wants you to do as a parent to win with your kids. And some of you, I, I know in the Highlands location, a lot of the kids are, are younger in general. And so, you know, some ways God gives you a break from the get-go. You know, these babies come out smiling at you and they like you and, and you give them food and they're happy about that. And, you know, there's, they, they kind of have to like you early on, you know, and as they get older, that it's not quite the same, you know? Can I get an amen with anyone who's got tweens and teens? And you, you got to work a little harder to have their hearts. It doesn't just come naturally. But, you know, my question would be for you, parents, do you have the hearts of your children? And, and realize that's a part of God's blessing on the land will be if you do have their hearts. Now, the other side of it, I think, might even be harder is that... Um, you may have your kids' hearts. You know, I think of dads that come home and the kids haven't seen them all day, all week, and kids are just celebrating. Dad's home and they're climbing him and it's this great thing and, and you have their hearts. The question becomes, do they have your heart? The long day at work, you come home, is your heart still at work? Is your heart given to your careers, your hobbies, other things, monetary considerations? Um, do they have your hearts, mom, dad? Because there's a blessing when the kids have their parents' heart and the parents have the kids' heart or else there will be a curse, a curse on the land. But I just want to ask you moms and dads, do they have your heart? You may have their hearts for a little while longer here and then you're going to have to work a little harder. Um, but do they have your heart? And, and one of the things we want to catch here is, you know, there, there's parents in, I got a friend in the neighborhood here, not a Christian at all, but I would say that he's done a good job of keeping the hearts of his kids. And he's really worked, he's not even a believer and he knows the concept of keeping their hearts. But here's the challenge, you know, that's why there's more of a definition than just having their hearts because parents can try to have the hearts of their kids, but sometimes that translates into keeping your kids happy. It translates into a concept of parenting I like to call um, child-led parenting. Child-led parenting. You ask any kids if they believe in child-led parenting, I think they'd say, let's try that out, you know. Um, but God has not designed it to be child-led parenting. Sometimes that leads to permissive parents. Parents who let their kids get whatever they want because, well, obviously I've got to have my kids' heart. I've got to keep them happy. But that leads to a, a, down a road that can really diverge with God's interests on a child's life. And so we have to watch out for just having their hearts. There's, there's more to it than that. Um, we're going to look at this verse. You know, the blanks for the next one here is uh, to have your, your children's heart and to teach them to obey. I'm going to give you all the blanks here. We're going to talk about a few of them, though. To teach them to obey the great commandment and the great commission. That is the definition we're going to work with. To win with your kids is to have their hearts and to teach them to obey the great commandment and the great commission. But... Uh, we're going to talk about this teach them to obey part here first. You know, a lot of you, again, with younger kids, uh, you know, you tell them, all right, we're going to teach you a lesson about the great commandment, the great commission, and your kids are going to go, mom, dad, you know, I don't even speak yet. Much less, I don't understand what you're saying. Um, but let's look at this verse here from Ephesians chapter 6. It's a classic passage on uh, parenting here. And it says, children, 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Obey your parents. And it goes on to say, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on earth. And, uh, and that you may enjoy long life on earth. And it goes on to say, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. But just the first part here, parents, um, you need to teach your children to obey. You know, I, you know, if I asked you the question, whose responsibility is you think of the village? You know, you got the principal and the pastor and the... Who, whose responsibility is to teach your children to obey? And if children are going to obey their parents and the Lord, who's going who's to share that with them at first? Parents, it's you. Right answer? Maybe you already knew that. But, um, you know, we talk about the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. We're going to look at a few verses on that. But, you know, early on, parents, you teach your children to obey. You teach them what to obey, what's right and what's wrong. You know, eventually they, they grow up and they can learn the Ten Commandments. You can teach them that. You can teach them other things. But in the meantime, especially in their younger years, um, mom and dad, what you say is right is right. And you better hope that's in line with what God thinks is right. Uh, because if you don't, there's going to be a problem there when those are reconciled. But what you teach them to obey is, is what is right and wrong. And, and my question for your parents right now is, how's it going with your kids? Are they obeying you? How's it going in obeying? Have you set the bar so low that they don't pretty much have to do anything except, you know, don't stick your tongue in the outlet or something like that? I mean, um, or is the bar so high that, you know, they can't... They can't obey you. I generally tend to see parents having the bar so low that, you know, they just don't want to have any conflict with their kids. And then they can grow and grow in that and grow up to be terrors when you start trying to teach them other things of right and wrong from God's word. And, but how is that going, parents? Are they obeying? I, I, I remember being taught, and some of you have heard uh, Rick Whitney teach on parenting before. I, I don't think I have his book here. We'll get you some copies, but it's called Growing Up Whitney. And he talks about teaching the kids to obey, and he says, you got, when, the, when it comes to obedience, they've got to catch the three C's. You guys know what the three C's are, I'm sure, if you've been around before. Um, first one is complete. When, when you ask them to do something, do, do they obey you completely, or do they just do part of it, or do they, is it complete? Is it cheerful? Yeah, I'll obey you, you know, fine, you know, I'll obey. Is it complete? Is it cheerful? And the last one is, is it quick? Um, depend how you spell that, it's a three C's. But uh, when, it comes to, um, when it comes to obedience, parents, are your children obeying you? Are they doing it completely? Are they doing it cheerfully? Are they doing it quickly? Because if not, whatever you maybe understand is obedience might might need to raise the bar on that. And I know there were times where I needed to raise the bar on the obedience of my children. You know, it's not like they just get it on their own. The only way they learn obedience, parents, the primary way they learn obedience at this age is through you. You set the bar. You maintain the bar. Parents, are they obeying you? Um, we want to teach them to obey, and we want to teach them to obey the, the great commandment. You know, um, when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He, he told them, well... He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And so if we're going to teach our kids anything, parents, one of the things we're probably going to have to teach them is the greatest commandment ever, that all the law and the prophets hang off of this and the second commandment. And, but the interesting thing to think about when it comes to this verse, he quoted from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's on your handout here. But he was quoting from the passage that said, hey, by the way, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And it goes on one verse later to say... Um, to say the one that's on your hand out there, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. But it's saying, here's the great commandment. And by the way, parents, you are to pass this on to your children. You're to talk about these commands from Deuteronomy 6 is is where this one came from. But you're supposed to talk about them when you're going here, when you're going there and when you rise and when you go down. But it's interesting to realize the great commandment in the context Parents are told, hey, by the way, pass this on to your children. If you're going to win with your kids, I think it's safe to say you've got to teach them the great commandments. And, and hopefully they will see you living it out. You can't teach them to love God supremely if, if that's not going so well in your world. They're going to probably catch more of what they see in your life than what you go on to teach them. But we've got to teach them the great commandments. Um, and another part of it is we've got to, you know, the second part of that is Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Uh, I love this proverb as well that I think can speak to this. It says, uh, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. And that verse, there's a lot of things you can pull out of that proverb. But one of the things I get out of that and tied into loving your neighbors is that parents, it's your job to set the course of your children. To set them on the trajectory they should go on. It's your job to see that they take on God's purpose for their life. It's your job to pass on the mission that Jesus gave his life for. Train them up in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. But we need to teach them to obey the great commandment and the great commission. And obviously there's probably more to winning that we could throw in there. But we've got to at least catch that. And the other thing that we've got to catch again is that... God has given the primary responsibility for this to you as parents. Part of the, I wonder if part of the reason for a curse, if the fathers don't have the hearts of the kids and the kids don't have the hearts of the fathers, is because if, if that two-way relationship is not happening and the values that are supposed to be passed on of how to love God and love your neighbor, if that is not passed on to the next generation, I wonder if that's part of the curse. You look back throughout history and you see times where, where other people have imparted values to the youth, to that next generation. And they've imparted values that are not in line with God's words. And you see terrible atrocities that have occurred through, I think of Nazi Germany, I think of communism and places where the kids were passed on these things and it destroyed cultures. And we've got to make sure we're passing it on. We've got to realize, parents, again, the truth is, you've got to believe that God wants you to win with all your children. You got to believe that because there's going to be a day where he, he's going to call you to give account for that. So you got to believe that now or else there's going to be a real problem there. But again, he's given that primary responsibility to you. Now, um, you know, when you hear all that, I think um, one of the, the, boy, one of the reactions I can have to, to that is like a lot of things in the Bible, a lot of things in the Christian life. It's like, all right, parents, here's the deal. Just be perfect with your kids, you know, catch their heart, teach them the great commandment, great commission, model it perfectly. All you got to do is be perfect, right? It'll go really well. You know, there's other areas of the Christian life that are like that marriage, you know, husbands, 
All you got to do is be like Jesus. Just love your wife unconditionally all the time. Piece of cake. Why? All you got to do is just relate to your husband like you should relate to the Lord with perfect obedience, you know, and submission. And, and if you're perfectly like Christ was to his father, and, and if you husbands, you love your wives like Jesus loved the church, piece of cake. You know, that's just a lot of marriage message sum, summarized right there. You know, the obvious problem is that how do I do that perfectly? Great, you know, I think of other areas of the Christian life. You're supposed to live a holy life. You're supposed to be absolutely pure. Okay, great, I get it. I'm doomed, you know. Um, and and I, there were different times. This verse here, I think of the passage where Jesus was teaching his disciples and they were talking about this rich man and he, Jesus said, it's harder for a rich man to make it into heaven um, than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And... Um, you know, they, they went on to say, um, you know, let's see if I got this verse. There's one more verse on that part there. They said, uh, the, the verse before this says, uh, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, Jesus? Uh, and then he looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. You know, in so many areas like parenting, marriage, some of these different assignments God has for us, God wants us to win in. Um, you know, it is, it is pretty much impossible without his help. And I can feel that way sometimes with parenting. But uh, the thing we've got to catch here, the next truth is that you can, you can win with all your children. God wants you to win, but you got to know you can win. It would be kind of cruel of God to give us an assignment that was not possible. Now, this would be possible not possible without his help but with his help it is possible you can win we're going to talk about some verses on that but one of the words i want to emphasize from this phrase here you can win with all your children you can win with all your children do you believe that you know um with all your children means with all. There's some that would say, you know, the Southern Baptist Convention a number of years ago did a study on the kids coming out of their families. And there was some astounding number, like over 80% of the children coming out of their homes uh, walked away from the church when, when they're of college age. Over 80%. There's some that say, no, you can't win with all your kids, guys. You can win with... 80, you could win with 20% of them. Some would say, boy, it's 50-50 chance here. You know, you're going to win with half your kids, and that's good. Set the bar high, 50%. Some would say, some would even go so far to say, you can win with all your kids except for that one. You're going to have a black sheep, right? How many of you were the black sheep in the family, huh? Join us for the meeting afterwards here. Um, um, <laughs> You know, there's a lie out there. I think it's almost one of the worst lies out there that the devil says, hey, you can win with a lot of your kids. You can win with most of them, but you're going to have a black sheep and, and you can't win with them. Everybody has one. Pastors have black sheep in their family and, and just deal with it. But you know, that's, I just want to make sure we catch that that's a lie from the devil of hell that you cannot win with all your kids, that you're going to have a black sheep. And you know what breaks my heart is that sometimes this lie is so prevalent in our culture that parents at a very young age start looking at their kids and they go, that's the one right there. They're going to be the black sheep. And can you think of how unfair that is to a child to have parents give up on you at a young age and go, you know what, I can't expect any more out of that one. I'm just going to give them away. And there's so many families where that is occurring. But I want to let you know, you can win with them all. There's a verse I want to share with you here. This one is marked my soul, and, and I hope that it marks yours as well. But it says this, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 
Men and women, I don't know if you know it or not, but we're a part of an association of churches with a heritage of parents that win with their kids. And I was taught by some of my leaders that taught me the word of God related to parenting that you can win with all your kids. And I look at the outcomes of some of the guys that taught me this and I go, that, they did it. They're not just saying, hey, theoretically, this is true. They said, you can win with all your kids. And they gave examples, the outcomes that I go, I want that outcome. And if you want that outcome, the, the instruction there is real clear. Imitate their faith. They believed that with God's help, you can win with all your kids. And, and they got outcomes that I know I'm aiming for. And I'm applying those same verses from the Bible. And I'm applying the same faith that... It, by God's grace, I can, and, and I'm hoping for those same outcomes, but I'm, I'm going to imitate that faith. Now, some of you might go, it's not possible. I don't believe that. You know, that, that's your choice to make. That's where your faith factor comes into play here. You don't believe that? I don't know what to tell you. Good luck on that. I know that I'm going to apply faith to this. I, I don't know what else to do. Should I just say, yeah, 50, I can win with 50% or I can't win with any of them? And I've got to believe that I can win with all my kids. I was taught that. I've seen the results. I see what God's word says. I see what's at stake in our culture. We've got to believe that you can win with all your kids. Uh, you know, I think of uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We, we've got to say, I, I can. We can do this. Train them up in the way they should go, and he will not turn from it. I was taught by people that believed you could actually set the course of a child's life. And when they got old, they would take that same trajectory on for themselves. And I've seen it. And I'm applying faith that with God's help, I can get the same type of results. But the guys that taught me God's words believe that you really can train them. And it will affect the results of even a free will being's, another free will being's life. I tend to buy into that as well, and I'm trying to apply faith to that too. And, um, but you know, one thing we've got to catch here is that it's more than just, um, so God wants you to win with all your kids. You've got to believe that you can win, because if you don't believe that, then, you know, uh, I think all bets are off of getting God's response to your faith in that, um, which... I think we've got another verse on... Oh, yeah, here we go. But, um, but I also want to let you know here, before we look at the last point, you can win with all your kids. It's, it's just, we're, we're talking about more than just the power of positive thinking. You know, parents, I don't want you going home, I think I can, I think I can. There's no way I can. Look, it's my house. Um, I think I can. I think it's not just about the power of positive thinking here. It is, is again, this last point is, so God wants you to win. You can win. And, and by the way, You've been given, through your faith, you have access to everything you need to win with your kids. And again, these truths apply to other areas. God wants you to be out of debt. God wants you to have a godly marriage. God wants you to deal with character issues like anger. God wants you to, and you can do all of those. And yet the last part here is, you got to believe that through your faith, you have access to everything you need. You have access to the unlimited resources of heaven to do what God wants you to do. And we've got to believe that. We've got to believe that our faith makes a difference. Um, think of this passage here. This dad is talking to Jesus about a situation with one of his children. And, and he just says, have mercy on us. Help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes and the father instantly cried out, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
You know, I think uh, this, this would be one of those things. I don't know if you read the Bible and you kind of go, I can't wait to get to heaven to watch the replay of this. You know, could you imagine this dad talking to Jesus? And this has been after Jesus has, you know, he's healed the blind. He's uh, caused the paralyzed to walk. He's raised the dead. And, and this dad comes up to Jesus and kind of goes, Ah, Jesus, I don't know, but if you can, would you help out? And I imagine you see a little bit of Jesus' personality here kind of going, if I can, okay, if I can, I guess, uh, I'll help. But no, he says, you know, if I can, and I'm sure there was a little bit of like, uh, I would say attitude, Jesus-like attitude there, but um, anything is possible. Basically, I think you could translate that to, I can bring about anything for someone who believes. And then the father responds, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. But when it comes to parenting and raising children, winning with your kids in this crazy culture that we live in, you know, I wonder if we might need to interact with Jesus on this a little bit. Like, Jesus, I don't know. Um, I do believe a little bit, but help me overcome all this unbelief that I'm getting from the world around me here. I love this promise here that just says... um, And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that at all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, grace is God's undeserved help, God's undeserved favor. We understand we're saved by grace through faith. We're we're saved by what God did on the cross for us. We apply faith to that. But this promise here says that God can make grace, his undeserved help, happen in, in all things, like parenting like getting out of debt, like a godly marriage, like character growth, at all times, like this crazy generation that we live in. Having all that you need, the patience we need to be a parent. Boy, do we need patience. Wisdom, everything that we need to do this. He can make it happen. But he's designed that it should happen through something you might have heard of called prayer. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God is able to make all that we need abound to us. And yet he's designed it that grace, it's it's undeserved, but that doesn't mean it's unasked for. I used to have this kind of theological conflict of like, well, you know, I can't deserve it. I can't be worthy of his grace. So then how can I pray and get, you know, if you think about it, That we pray, that we ask God, the God of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, of all that's seen and unseen, to ask him to do something and he does it. Just because he's designed it that way, in no way means we deserve that. It's completely undeserved. But that's not to be confused with the fact that it's got to be asked for. God gives grace to the humble. There's a humility that's required to ask. I'm not talking about ask like, God, you gave them to me now. You give me the grace I need to deal with them. You know, you can ask without being humble. Um, But God's designed that he would give his grace to the humble. He also has made it very clear that he gives his grace where faith is applied. And he... um, you know, other places here, just the design. Some would say, you know, God is just sovereign. His grace is sovereign. He just does what he's going to do. And, you know, you and I just kind of flow with it. Well, the Bible that I read says a little more than that. Jesus said many times, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. Goes on to say, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Another place here, James said it like this. You do not have because you do not ask God. Goes on to say, well, when you do ask, sometimes you get bad motives. But God has designed that we have access to everything that we need through faith. 
often expressed in prayer. I'm just going to close with this last uh, interaction here. Some blind men approached Jesus and, and asked if he would give them their sight. And he asked this question. This is, a, this is a haunting question. This is a question here to every mom, to every dad, to every follower of Jesus in that area that you need his help. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe that I'm able to help you win with all your children? Do you believe that I'm able to help you change this area of your life? Do you believe that I'm able to get you out of that financial hole? Well, they replied, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, I'm going to do that for you. It'll be done for you. And their sight was restored. And we've got to realize that our faith actually does gain the supernatural response of God in any area, and especially in parenting here. But we've got to realize our our faith is a part of that. It's not just what's going to happen because it's going to happen. We need to be applying faith here. And, you know, again, just to close, can you imagine if what, what glory there's going to be for your parents when you teach your kids the values of God's, God's word, when you pass on biblical values to your children, when you teach them to love God with all their heart, when you teach them to carry out the mission that Jesus died for, can you imagine when we get to heaven what glory there's going to be for faith applied to winning with our kids, to to teaching them hard truth in a culture that's going to call them ignorant, call them intolerant. I think it's going to affect all of eternity. And it's what, it's what God has called us to do. God wants you to win with your kids. You can win with your children, every one of them. And your faith gives you access to everything you need in this. Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, uh, we, we just... Uh, We're humbled by the task you've given us. We're humbled, Lord, by the the stewardship you've given us of another eternal being as parents. Lord, we tell you that we need your help. We need your grace. Without you, it is impossible. Lord, I pray that you'd help every parent in here to have hope that with your help, they can win. With your help, they can launch their children into this dark world uh, on mission, flying straight and true. And Lord, we just ask uh, that we would all have families like that. Lord, we pray that we would get to see the glory that there is for trusting you, for obeying you. Things that will be shown in eternity that are hard to see in the here and now. Lord, help us to be men and women who, who aim for that. And um, Lord, thank you for this series on faith and, and how you can supernaturally intervene in our lives here on earth. I ask that... Uh, You bless the rest of this series. Bless this Mother's Day coming up here next week as well. Bless the rest of the month as we wrap this up. But Lord, we we just tell you, we, we desperately need you. We thank you that you're willing to make your grace abound to us. We pray in Jesus Christ's name, amen.